Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Good morning and welcome to Salt and Light. In our introduction, it talks about Salt and Light uh, being a radio broadcast that helps us face uh, the problems that we face in society today, and that's what it's all about. I'm joined here by Brother Max Robinson. Brother Max, uh, good to have you here on the broadcast as always. And uh, how are things going today? It's been a good day so far. So far, yep. so good. Yep. You know, we no complaints. Amen. Well, we've got a lot to be thankful for, and I was thinking about how that we face the problems and the challenges of today. And folks, there's certainly no shortage of problems and challenges in life today. And Brother Max, some people think that being saved, if you're a Christian, that means that all of our problems are going to go away. And uh, I just, I, you know, we are. We are preachers of the gospel. The gospel means good news, but, you know, with all of that good news, we have to say the bad news is, is that if you get saved, all your problems aren't going to go away. In fact, uh, I, when I got right with the Lord, I found out that I just exchanged some, uh, a lot of problems for some new ones. <laughs> and, uh, but we do have someone to go to that can help us through yep. and understands everything and gives us the problem one day. They will all be gone. That is right. That is right. The solution to our problems is settled 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. And in this life that we live, we live in a very uh, evil world and a very troubled world. And the Bible says that in this world you shall have tribulation. That's what Jesus said. But he said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we have the overcomer. As Christians, if you're a born-again believer, you have the overcomer living inside of you. And we have a hope that is steadfast and sure. And, you know, it's always good to have a little bit of hope on this side of eternity. Uh, hope kind of keeps us going. Hope maketh not ashamed, as the Bible says. And I don't know about you, Brother Max, but I don't like it when my hope tank uh, gets empty and the gauge starts redlining in the wrong direction. I've got one of those, um, I, I, you know, my, my car is a, a 2000 uh, 11, and so that's when some of the new technology just got started, but uh, mine does have the, the sensor that uh, the light goes off telling me that I'm about to run out of gas, yeah. and, and I like that personally, but uh, the only thing I don't like it is when it goes off and my wife is riding with me because she thinks that uh, I, I got, you know, I read the manual and I know that means that I've got, a, you know, I can still probably travel about 40 or 50 miles, theoretically, and that's what the book says, but as sure as the world, as soon as I push that and my wife's riding with me, I'm going to run out of gas and never, ever, ever live it down, <laughs> but uh, I don't like it when my hope tank uh, starts getting empty, and we're living in a world that is a, uh, it's a hope sucker. I mean, it just wants to suck all of the hope uh, that we have out of us, uh, the devil, fights against us. And, you know, I'm not trying to be a downer here this morning, but 
you know, sometimes we just got to face the reality and to recognize that our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. He's in heaven, and that's where we need to set our affection. And he is the blessed hope. That's right. And that's where we need to be looking to. And I agree. I, the, the spiritual warfare that takes place today is the enemy we have. It's we wrestle not against flesh and blood, clearly in Ephesians chapter 6. But what we do wrestle in is to get us and our eyes off of Jesus Christ and the hope that we do have in him. And we have the devil, the enemy, tries to replace it with everything else. Yeah, that's and right. And it's all empty. Yeah. It's empty. It, it's total emptiness. And I know I, I was, many of our listeners have heard my testimony. I got saved as a little boy. In my teenage years, I backslid. I got away from God, lived a sinful lifestyle. Not as bad as many, but uh, certainly. Are you implying me? N- no, not you. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I barely knew you back then. But you know, it, seriously though, if I compared myself to some of my friends and other people, it's like, hey, I wasn't doing so bad, and I was still going to church, and I still believed in Jesus, and you know, I still uh, had some decent things going on in my life. But I wasn't right with God, and I was I was living pretty wickedly. Certainly, based on what I knew and how I lived, there was a big gap there. I knew better. I was taught the Bible. I had good Christian parents that, uh, that were moral, were faithful, and, and all of that. So I didn't have any good excuses, but I still uh, went away from the Lord. And, you know, when I got right with God, just before I turned 20, Brother Max, it was like... All of that time I'd been under conviction as a teenager, and the Holy Spirit of God inside of me is, is battling in my mind, and I'm struggling with that. You know, I'd go and have a good time with my friends. I'd come home. I'd feel so guilty, so empty. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. And I just went through this cycle of just trying to manage my conscience, and I didn't want to change my behavior. I just didn't want to feel the way that I felt about it. Well, the Holy Spirit of God lived inside of me, so I couldn't, I couldn't tune that out. I could distract myself. I could keep myself occupied. But all the whole time, the Spirit of God is striving and causing me inner turmoil. When I got right with God, I thought, okay, that turmoil is going to be gone. But then I found out that now I'm right with God, and now the flesh and the world is trying to drag me back in there. So Anyhow, there's always going to be a battle. You just have, we'd have to choose what side we're on. Are we going to live for eternity? You know, we can battle and struggle in this life and in this world so that we can live in all of eternity with that peace and joy. But a lot of people, they sacrifice the eternal for the immediate. And to the born-again believer, there is no rest from the day-to-day battle and grind. We're going to have a battle. We're either, either battling the Holy Spirit if we're doing wrong, or we're battling the flesh and the devil if we're doing right. right. And so we might as well just accept that fact. And uh, it took me a little while to settle that in my heart that there's always going to be a struggle. There's never going to be a peace and a utopia that's without trial and struggle in this life. But I'm looking forward to the one where there is no struggle and there is no trial. And, and that day is coming. Amen. And it's forever. Amen. So that's much. That's why if you get down, you get beat down, just immerse yourself in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Yeah. 
and enjoy the verses that there'll be no sorrow, there'll be no death, there'll be no tears, and get a glimpse of what eternity is going to be with Jesus Christ, the great river of life, the tree of all those wonderful things. Yeah. And just have yourself a moment. Yeah. Happiness, joy, and peace, all of the wonderful things. Some people think that heaven's going to be floating around on a cloud strumming a harp. Listen, I don't. I guess they got that from a cartoon yeah. because it's not in the Bible. God's greater than that. He, he is far greater than that. And you know, as we get ready to go on a break, Brother Max, our topic today, we haven't even got to it yet, is we're going to be talking about friendship, fellowship, and uh, maybe later on in the broadcast, uh, something that's relevant to friendship and fellowship, and that's social media. You know, in this life that we live, we live with trials and troubles. And one of the things as Christians that is so helpful is if we have someone to go through these things together with. And that's what church is all about. That is what Christian fellowship is all about. And most believers don't understand its importance. And so we're gonna talk about that. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back after the break. Welcome back, folks. Um, we were talking about battles and conflicts and struggles before the break. And, you know, in all honesty, I, I feel like a veteran of war. Now, I've never been in military service. I appreciate those who have. I've never been in um, any of the conflicts, whether it be Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, um, and all over the world. I've never been in an actual military combat situation, but I've been in spiritual warfare for really the last 38 years or so. I got right with the Lord in 1986. I surrendered my life to serve Him, and, and so I've been uh, what the Bible, I've been uh, at least aspiring to be a good soldier, as Paul admonished Timothy. He said, a good soldier must endure hardness, and yeah. he gave a lot of admonition. And so uh, I, I've been through some conflicts in spiritual warfare, but all, I've, all I have to go on in actual military conflict is the books that I've read, or uh, perhaps maybe some of the movies that I've read. I know many of the movies are not accurate. Uh, they embellish a lot of things, and uh, typically the books will be a little bit closer to the truth. But one thing that is a common denominator, Brother Max, that I've seen throughout all of it is that uh, once those soldiers get through basic training and they actually get out there in the conflict and basic training cannot fully prepare them for what they're getting ready to experience, the fear, the circumstances that are out of control and so forth, there are just so many things that they cannot be fully prepared for until they've actually been in conflict. But the common denominator is once they are in the actual battle, they lose sight of really the actual cause that they're there. They're not always there for to fight for the freedom of the United States of America. They're not always there for all of the, the I guess, the um, romantic motivations that we talk about. Uh, but when the bullets start flying and the bombs start going off, they're fighting for their buddies, for the one that's in the foxhole next to them, the one that is right beside, the one who is uh, 
sacrificing to try to keep them alive, and so they're trying to keep them alive. And it all just uh, comes, it's all about friendship and fellowship, in, in all honesty. And I believe that in spiritual warfare and in this life that we live, that that is such an important factor that we're dealing with a lot of enemies. The world, the flesh, we can be our own worst enemy, and then the devil. The devil plays for keeps. He doesn't fight fair. He comes to, to steal and to destroy, and uh, he is merciless. And so we, we deal with all of this, and it's easy to lose sight of the really the high motives, and sometimes we have to just fight for one another. I'm not saying that we don't keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. I'm just saying that a lot of times in the fray, when the bullets are flying and everything's going off, we're, we're dealing with our feelings and what we're seeing and smelling and sensing all around us. And a lot of times it's just the buddy that's next to us fighting the same fight. And I know that we're all, in one sense or another, we're all fighting a battle and we're all struggling. That's what friendship and fellowship that's what it's all about. That's the value of it. And Brother Max, uh, so many people are exiting churches today. And I believe that some of that is because churches are failing. There are plenty of churches out there that are, I guess maybe this would be an extreme statement. If you compare them to the Bible, they're fraudulent. And then you have others that they're not fraudulent, but they're so watered down. They've lost, they've, they've departed from the scripture in so many ways that they're not effective in what they're doing and they become purely social. I'm not talking about social when I'm talking about friendship. Friendship and fellowship is way, way more than social. Social is so casual and social can be really somewhat meaningless, but friendship and fellowship carry so much meaning, especially when we're going through conflict and battles and struggles. And so uh, let's talk to the listeners about what the Bible says regarding friendship and fellowship. I, I'm, I'm thankful that it does say that we have a friend in Jesus Christ. Right. And uh, that's something that, you know, friends will come and go, and I've experienced that, you've experienced that. Uh, but thank God we've got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that, that passage definitely is alluding to or speaking of Christ. For sure. I mean, it does. And he is a perfect friend. And he, even with the disciples, went on to say, I call you friends. And uh, and just the meaning and the depth of that. There he is, Lord, who created all things, who knew these men and knew, uh, like Sunday night, you know, Ben pointed out, Ben Smoker, as he was teaching, of knowing through all this that Peter was going to deny him. And then, as he pointed out as well, 50 days later after the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the beginning of the greatest revival work that has continued for 2,000 years. Right. And when the Lord considered them a friend, I mean, he meant it. Yeah. And he was hurt. I mean, the Lord. Yeah. I, I mean, he suffered, but his expression and his value of that was real and meant and he did not even though he was hurt he kept going with them he had grace yeah and that is something that is important 
yeah, he, in a friendship. He believed in Peter when Peter wasn't demonstrating anything to believe in. I mean, he, he was honest with Peter, and, and that's something that you pointed out. He said that Jesus said, I call you friends. And in that passage of Scripture, he says, I'm not calling you servants. I'm calling you friends because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. They're just obeying orders. Right. But he said, I'm calling you friends because everything that my father's told me, I'm telling you. There was openness. There was transparency. Whenever there's openness and transparency, there's going to be vulnerability. I mean, when you bear your heart, you bear your soul to someone, that is that makes you very, very vulnerable. And I know a lot of people, some of the biggest hurts out there among people are when they were transparent and vulnerable to a friend who didn't end up being a friend. And that's just, that's so common. Uh, part of the perilous times that we live in, you know, Paul explained that it would be that way. But I think that the point that we need to make here is that the number one thing that God has provided for us for support you know, so many people are going to psychologists and they're looking for all this self-help stuff. And yet what God provided that actually works, they're shunning it. And that's that's a real shame. And so that friendship can get us through that transparency. I appreciate what you said, the way that the Lord dealt with Peter. Peter failed. And Jesus told him just not before Peter failed, the Lord said, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Peter was not perfect, and he had his moments for sure. But Jesus never stopped believing in him. He said, "He said, I've prayed for thee, and when thou art converted. He didn't say if. Yeah. He said, when thou art converted, strengthen your brethren. In other words, I know you're going to get through this and I'm not done with you, I still have a plan, and uh, you're going you're gonna to have some, some guilt, you're going to have to go through this recovery process, but the Lord never was done with Peter. The Lord was so faithful, and I, I think that's a great example. And there's many in Scripture. I, you know, Old Testament, we know Abraham. It's, well, I mean, the highest compliment, I, I think, or one of them, we can't I won't use an absolute there. A very high compliment was Abraham being considered a friend of God. Yeah. I mean. God would, called him his friend. Yes. Yeah. I would like that yeah. to be said about me. <laughs> Don't volunteer Lord, for that. Know, <laughs> I know there's some things that the Lord might say about me and well justified. But that would be a great compliment. <laughs> you know, I, it's, he was a friend of God. I, you look at his life. I, I mean, he was. Look, look how his grace was with Lot. I mean, Lot's fam, Lot's there and doing well because of Abraham. He's, he's, right. he's getting extreme blessing because of Abraham. Yeah. All right? And, and then his people are fighting with Abraham. And Abraham's like, it's, this isn't a problem. Yeah. Lot, you look, you go wherever you want to go. You go that way, I'll go this way. And Lot does. Lot gets in trouble. And you know how our nature would be. <laughs> Yeah. You got it, Lot. Yeah. You got it. You deserve to be taken and going yeah. through the slime pits and all this other stuff. That's your deal. What does Lot do? He arms his household yeah. and restores all. Yeah. I, he's demonstrating the long-suffering, the mercy, and the grace that our God does in his friendship towards us. Abraham definitely knew how to be a friend. And even... 
even you look at the grace that Abraham extended towards Sarah over the, you know, the Hagar and the the Ishmael saga and all of that. It's like Abraham was just, I see him as just a really nice guy. You don't see him as a Goliath killer like David. You don't see him as the guy that survived the lion's den like Daniel. You don't see him like, he did none of those things that humanly speaking, we would say, yeah, that's the champion for God. But Abraham was just, he was just always there. He was just so solid and faithful and i think that's probably something if we're you know when it comes to friendship that's probably the the number one trait i mean besides the transparency that the lord talked about you know he said there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother Uh, the bible says that a friend loveth at all times Uh, something about friendship is that we you know on our worst days we still we still um we still love that friend and you know david and jonathan were an example of friends in the bible uh, they david loved him more than himself more than his own soul yeah. and i know that uh, that the the perverts out there and that's what they are they've made something sick and ugly out of david and jonathan's um, relationship and i say shame on them that's blasphemy and i think that comes from a wicked heart it was not anything bad no more than when the apostle john was uh, had his head on the bosom of jesus uh, there right. uh, there toward the end it was a it was an affection but it wasn't anything perverse or sexual it was a genuine heartfelt love and camaraderie and believing in one another and that's uh, something that is an important part of friendship well after the break brother max i want to talk about how we put friendship into action and talk about fellowship and a lot of times people people know how to socialize and entertain today but we've forgotten how to fellowship and so we've laid a groundwork here hopefully uh, we can help folks Uh, so stay tuned and we'll talk more about this after the break Helen Keller said this, she said, walking in the dark with a friend is better than walking in the light alone. Now here's a a lady who was born uh, blind and deaf and yet uh, as she learned how to communicate and learned some things about life, I think that's a very profound but uh, such a true statement. Brother Max, I have learned from experience that everyone's not going to be my friend. And uh, I've learned from experience that the people who uh, disregard me, I guess my hate club, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm not near as bad as they think I am. And then I found that with my friends, I'm not near as good as they think that I am. And uh, but I'd rather be around the people like that than to be around my enemies. And, uh, you know, enemies are they say that friends come and go, but a good enemy will last a lifetime. (laughs) I guess that's probably somebody who's had an enemy and just says says that out of frustration. But truly, we, we don't win with everyone. And even Jesus Christ was sinless and perfect. And yet he didn't win with anyone, even among his disciples. You know, he definitely didn't win with Judas. And, of course, that's kind of a different category. Judas was never sincere to begin with. Right. But you mentioned uh, before the break about Peter. Uh, definitely 
the friendship between the Apostle Peter and the Lord Jesus Christ had its ups and its downs. At the time of the, the, the trial and crucifixion, the scripture says that all men forsook him. Right. I mean, he was all alone. He had nobody. Yeah. And I'm reminded of what Galatians says. Galatians chapter number six says that, uh, that we should bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But then a few verses later, it says, and every man shall bear his own burden. And I, I've heard a lot of different um, explanations of that, but I, I, I see it as God saying that we should all do what we can to try to bear one another's burdens. But at the end of the day, if someone is not there to help me bear my burden, or if they're trying, but they're not actually able to help, I, I struggle with that. Right. I'm a pastor. I care. I've had people going through circumstances and bearing burdens that it's like, man, I want to help them bear this, but I don't, I don't know how. And so at the end of the day, when no one is there, or if someone's there, but they're not able to, to lighten my load, I just got to bear it myself. And that's just, just life. We, God gives us friends and fellowship for help and comfort and for strength. But at the end of the day, if we don't have any, or if we think we don't have any, we still have to get our eyes on Jesus Christ, and we just have to, we have to bear that burden and trust that the Lord is going to help us bear our burden. So friendship, we, we, we know what friendship is, at least from a biblical perspective. The way we put friendship into, into action, I guess, is through fellowship. And uh, folks, fellowship is more than just, uh, just social. Uh, we can hang out. I, I like to do fun things with people that I'm friends with, you know, going golfing, going hunting, going fishing, um, uh, going out to eat, <laughs> just, you know, stuff like that. That's fun. But fellowship is when we actually get around, we start talking and thinking around a common goal and Christian fellowship at the center of that social activity should be Jesus Christ, that we are, we are interacting with one another to strengthen and to lift up one another. So um, how would you, what would you say to our folks, Brother Max, how, how do we fellowship? What is fellowship all about from a biblical perspective? Well, we can definitely begin with the scripture and with Christ. And in Philippians 3, it talked about for the Christian that we even have this fellowship through his sufferings, right? And you started the first segment speaking of us being soldiers, and we are, and we're in a war. And there's that camaraderie with men and units, and I agree. If you're, you're in the Army, there's that general camaraderie of, well, we're in the Army, that if it gets down to, well, I was in the Airborne, or I was in the Infantry, or I was this— it narrows more and more and that closeness the closer you are to the same unit to the same uh, activities that you were doing in the military there that bond gets even greater and stronger yeah. they hate one another until they need each other <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they all of a sudden they really appreciate them <laughs> and so it's with us as christians right that that com that bond grows closer and as we are in this battle together and we're in a similar warfare right that grows and you can have that fellowship in christ's sufferings that he said we will have if we're going to take up our cross and follow him 
there's going to be a degree. And it's not all drudgery. It's not, I, I like to remind people, we don't all die. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We don't all die. There is blessings in following servant in Christ. And I like to be reminded, greater is he that is in you, speaking of Christ, than he that is in this world. Mm -hmm. This isn't a, uh, you know, an even balance of good and evil. God is all-powerful, and that is the side we're on. And so that, as you mentioned, should be the center. And as we're in these things together, like we have fellowship with other churches, and then we do once a month at our men's prayer breakfast, and That's it's correct. good. That's correct. And we have some fellowship. And then when our group gets together, us, it gets even closer and tighter. And it's always about things. Mm -hmm. And, again, Christ and what he's doing. We just had fellowship with a sister in our church that's going through cancer. You know, and we're fellowshiping about three or four of us there mm -hmm. when we're talking. You know what it keeps coming to? How good Christ is. Yeah. Even in that moment, in that hour, in the treatments, and the years of suffering she's been going through, praising God for what he's done, what we've seen him do, what he's seen him accomplish, it brings things to light and perspective. It's just good. And I think you nailed it right there, this, this soldier aspect. We're on the same team. There's a, there's a higher purpose in why we are interacting with one another. And so often in, in today's culture is so weak, so hypersensitive, so um, so social. And, and we're going to talk about social media. You know, the problem with social media is you interact with one another, but everything just stays on the surface. Everything on social media, you can present, you can market yourself as being one thing and it be nothing like what you really truly are. And so it's an image rather than a transparency. And there is no meaningful fellowship. You can get attention that way. You can even get uh, approval or applause that way. But you cannot get that true feeling of fellowship. There has to be a higher purpose and a higher goal. Uh, Jesus Christ should be the center. And when it comes to fellowship, it's not, it's not all social because it, we don't have to there has to be a common goal and purpose, but it isn't always our personality. Some of the people that I've had the greatest fellowship with were not people that I would humanly get along with if we didn't have a common goal and purpose in Jesus Christ and serving the Lord and so forth. Right. You know, if it was just social, it's like, you know what, we, we don't really jive. We don't we don't hit it off very good in a social setting. You may have, not have the same interests, same hobbies, same things. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, so much of friendship and fellowship today is based on the surface, the superficial things and not the meaningful things. And that's why we have to, we have to make sure that we choose our friends wisely. So often people make poor choices in friendships and they just end up with no edification from it it's not meaningful it's surface and ultimately people end up getting hurt uh, i believe that uh, as we choose our friends the bible has some principles we should uh, choose friends that have the right attitude toward god you know some common ground the bible says can two walk together except they be agreed it doesn't say that they agree on everything but they are agreed that's the things that matter 
the most. And that's why you mentioned we have our uh, monthly prayer breakfast with some other churches. We're not identical to them. I'm sure that if we sat down and we just started going through everything in the Bible, we wouldn't have to be studying very long until we would run into something that, you know, we see something one way and they see something another way. But on the things that matter, the things that are the irreducible minimums, we have commonality there. We don't have to be identical in order to be in one accord. The disciples weren't the same. They all had different personalities. They all had different flaws. They had different political views. They had different political (laughs) views. They were, you talk about a ragtag group of men that Jesus brought together and he kept them together because they kept their eyes on him. They had their times where they're competing with one another. Who's going to be the greatest? And, but ultimately the Lord would just put them, cool their jets, put them back in their place. And they, yeah, okay, I get it. And uh, so uh, that's what friendship and fellowship is all about. It doesn't mean that everything is perfect because none of us are perfect. It just simply means that we have chosen that we're going to see past the social and the surface and we are going to fellowship around a cause that is greater than us. And and that's what Christian fellowship is all about. And I, I'm going to read a couple verses in First John. First John chapter one, and verse three and verse seven. It says that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also and and this is what we're discussing that you may have fellowship with us, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father, Father God, and with His Son Jesus Christ. And then it continues in verse 7, which is very important, which you, you spoke of this. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It is very, it's a must yeah. that fellowship and true biblical fellowship is in the light of God, his word, and having that agreement that we're going to obey God. None of us are perfect. But that fellowship is centered around his teachings, his truth, and his righteousness. And we have to walk in it. That is right. You know, God our Father looks down, he sees every one of our faults and sins. (laughs) But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It's through the blood of Christ that we can have fellowship with God. And and there's no doubt there in 1 John 1, that is a twofold application our fellowship with the Father and His Son, and then we have fellowship one with another. And so because of the blood of Jesus Christ, if God can look upon us, even though He knows everything about us and still uh, still be okay with us, well, we can do the same thing with one another. In fact, it says in 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. That pitiful is not mean, oh, I'm, I'm poor and pitiful. It means being full of pity toward one another. Understanding each other is a key aspect of fellowship. Stay tuned. We'll talk more after the break.
Romans 12, verse number 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. That means let it be real. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Now, that is an admonition that God has given us to as, as Christians, as believers, of how we are supposed to treat one another, how we're supposed to feel toward one another, the same way that God looks down upon us. Brother Max, we talked about this right before the break, the importance of the blood of Jesus Christ, the importance of the grace of God, how that he puts up with us, and then in turn he says that I want you to put up with one another. You know, that is something that is lost in modern culture today. We have so much communication among people. Uh, and this is something that is in churches, it's outside of churches. We are living in a very small world this day and age because of inventions and technology. Uh, we have, you know, the, just the technology, you go back, say, 100 years, just transportation has certainly make, made the world a lot smaller place. I mean, we can go, you can go visit your family in Ecuador, and you can be there in the same day by flying a plane. Um, all these different things, the world has become a smaller place, whereas used to be if someone in Europe was going to come preach a meeting in America, they'd have to spend almost all summer. Sometimes those right. trips would take three months just to get across the ocean. And you didn't just do that, you didn't do that flippantly. You didn't decide, hey, I think I'll go take a meeting there. It was, it was going to take up a good chunk of your life right. in order to make that commitment. And so when they'd make that commitment, there would be a whole lot more meaning to it. But as the world has become smaller as communication, now we have, you know, the telephone was invented. And then now you could call your neighbor. You didn't have to talk over the picket fence. You could call them and, and you say, well, why not just talk to them in person? They're, they're right next door to you. Well, no, they, you get on the phone and you call them. And even nowadays with cell phones, with emails, with social media. Uh, I keep finding a, a new social media means that I didn't even know about. Somebody asked if we were on Spotify. And I go, I don't think so, because I've never heard of that before. And I know some of our listeners are laughing, and it's like, well, I, I don't keep up with all of the social media. I remember when MySpace was the thing. I, so we got young listeners don't even know what we're talking about. That was a big problem in churches when that first came out. I was a youth leader, and you know people were you know showing me you know Pastor Mitchell, look at what so and so posted on their MySpace, and you look at that and you go, oh my goodness, I thought they were, I thought they were Christians. Thought they were walking in the light. Yeah, it's like well, they seem <laughs> like good church people, and you look at the you know all of this this garbage on their MySpace, and I thought, well, that's their bulletin board to the world saying, hey, look at me. And it caused problems. Some of that kind of, everybody got used to it. I finally decided that, you know what, I got to stick my head in the sand. I can't take this. I can't be confronting everybody for everything. It's like I, I, it was constant conflict or grief of mind seeing all of that. And it's like, you know what? It was an adjustment process, but now social media has just continued to grow, and then there was Facebook, and then there was Instagram, Twitter, and like I said, I don't even know what the latest is, but people are constantly communicating 
but not in a meaningful way. Right. It's a very casual way. And truly, I believe that social media has made us very anti or non-social. Yeah, and shallow. Shallow, that's I right. I mean, we really are. It's And it does remove the... A, a friendship does take work, and it does take some time. Mm-hmm. And it is, to me, this is me going on my soapbox being... My personal opinion, I will say, here is web speak, in my humble opinion, IMHO, okay? <laughs> I, I think the whole thing of with Facebook and doing the likes and letting everybody in your world be a friend depending on whether or not they liked you. Yeah, I'm going to make you a friend because you, you like this. And then and the first time you say anything negatory about what you posted ridiculously, I'm unfriending them. Yeah. Okay, that that is making biblical friendship. You know, that, that's just eroding it. It's not there. It's just goes against everything we're taught in scripture. Yeah, the choosing of friends has come down to clicking a button right. that says yes or a button that says no. When we were talking about this earlier, we were given some biblical examples and we talked about Abraham, but you also brought up David and Jonathan. You know, that is a very interesting friendship. So Jonathan knows that David is going to be king. Jonathan has loyalty to the king who is his father and to his friend David. And he does both. Yeah. And he manages it and he ends up knowing, I believe, knowing that he is going to die Mm -hmm. with his father Mm -hmm. being faithful all the while knowing that his best friend is going to be king instead of his father and rightfully himself. You know, that you made a great point, and I have never really thought about it in that light, but you're so 100% true that, that Jonathan was able to manage both of those loyalties, and he did it perfectly. And you, you think about it, I, I personally think that Jonathan also knew about David, that if Jonathan would have said, hey, I'm going to choose you over my father, that David wouldn't have had anything to do with that. Because yeah. David didn't anoint himself to be king. David didn't have ambition to become the king. God chose him and God anointed him. And so David's just, David's just trying to deal with what God dropped in his lap. But he knew that Saul was God's anointed. David always said, I'll not, I will not lift my hand against God's anointed. God's the one that chose him. God's the one that will have to take him down. And in the same sense, if Jonathan would have said, look, I'm going to join your side against my dad, David would have said, no, you need to do right by God's anointed. Let's let God take care of this. And, and I think that probably that's the biggest problem in friendships and with social media, everything becomes uh, what we see. We, we don't see friendship. We don't see things from God's perspective. We see just the surface things and the interactions. And I think, that in, and we're about out of time, but I wanted to mention this also, that just like with family, with family and friendships, with church relationships, if you go to the same church long enough, you're going to find out a lot of things about everybody that you fellowship with. You're going to find out their good times, their bad times. You're going to find out their faults, their failures, even their sins. There's going to be, the, the, you, you don't get around anybody for any length of time 
and still see them as perfect. That doesn't exist. And yet you can overcome that by keeping your eyes on Jesus Christ. And, and, and a lot of times people, people don't have that meaningful uh, purpose behind that fellowship. And that's what social media does. It just cheapens it all to attention and, uh, and surface exception rather than getting down to the loyalties. Sometimes you gotta choose. And David did not put Jonathan in a place where he had to choose him or his father. And, and Jonathan was able to look past it and see God's hand in it. It's the same way in church problems. We, we start thinking about people from a human perspective when we don't realize that, you know what, this is God's business. God can take care of this. God will, God will do whatever he wants to do. And if he chose, chooses to be silent, then maybe I need to be silent on the matter as well. And so many church problems, so many family problems are because we start looking at each other rather than keeping our eyes on the Lord. We're about out of time, Brother Max. Any last thoughts that you'd like to say to our listeners? I would like to, I guess, when we look at this and friendship and fellowship, that we do remind ourselves on, especially the younger generations coming up that are definitely immersed in the social media and their lives are, their friendships, et cetera, are on that, that they go beyond that and establish real, meaningful friendships and relationships. And, and it does mean it's personal. Mm-hmm. And it does mean you have to, as the scripture says, one that's going to have friends must show himself friendly. That is you personally giving of yourself in expression and words and everything else. It takes effort of you. That's right. And when you do that, then you start doing things wisely. And we're trying, I still have teenage kids at home and I want them to choose good friends, mm-hmm. you know, and there, there are things with that. You, you mentioned one, we need ones that have a right attitude towards God, but they need to have character too. Mm-hmm. Proverbs one teaches much about not getting entangled, right? My son, not if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. All mm-hmm. these things about how we're to guard ourselves in our lives in these things. There's just so much in scripture on this, especially for us any age, but our young people really avail yourselves of these truths yeah. and build strong, solid relationship and know what that is about iron sharpeneth iron. That is right. The Bible says, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. It's not about how many people will be our friends, it's how it's being a friend to others. And if we'll be the right kind of friend, then we'll have friends. And so uh, let's follow the Lord's example. Friendship, fellowship, let's make it meaningful. Thanks for being with us today, folks. Have a great day. God bless you. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you, and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust him as your Savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, We want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. 
We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible. Get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.